Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. Well, good morning. Man, it's so great to be um, with the LifeGate family as always. I always feel just honored every time I get the call to come and spend some time with you. And I'm going to take a second so that I don't make a complete fool of myself. One moment. There we go. All right. But um, I'm always just so humbled to get to spend some time with you because I always, I say it every time that I'm here, but I love this church. I love this church. I love your pastors more than, um, more than you know. I love that every time that I come to this place, I know I'm welcome. I, I love your staff. I love their hearts. I love their heart for you and their heart for the work of the Lord to go forward. But I think there's a couple things that I love most about LifeGate before I get into the message. Um, number one, I love that you love your pastors. Um, I, I love Pastor Chad and Amber so much, and if there's one thing that I love about coming to this place is I know how loved they are and how, how much they just deserve that love, and I promise you this, a loved pastor always does better work for the kingdom of God, and so I want to thank you, LifeGate, for, for loving Pastor Chad and Amber because I always say they were my pastors before they were your pastors, so... Um, I love that. But man, I always love that when I come here, God is doing a new thing. You can't say that for churches, a lot of churches today, that every time you come back once, twice a year, that God is doing a new thing at LifeGate. I heard that y'all had like uh, 13 plus children dedications not too long ago. You had what, 20 baptisms, 20 plus baptisms. Like, do you understand that's not normal? Like, that is not commonplace for the kingdom of God today. And so you don't get arrogant. Don't get cocky. Understand there is, there is work to be done for the kingdom of God, and you are in a house that is doing the work of the Lord, and you should find great joy and confidence in that. And that's why I'm so pumped to come here. But, man, I'm so excited to continue your series, Beyond Success. When Pastor Chad told me kind of the topic, um, I got, just got really excited because um, this is something that um, was not given to me. This is not something that I learned just yesterday. It's, it's been a story of my life that I didn't even realize until really the last two or three years. And so you've been kind of talking about the parable of the talents. If you want, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter number 25. Matthew chapter number 25, and we're going to reference some things that you already have referenced um, throughout this series, but you've been really just focusing, if I could put it in a nutshell, what success truly is. And um, a Pastor Chad taught me a long time ago that we know that true success is just reaching the full potential that God has placed inside of you. That when you strip everything away, there's been potential placed in each, in each inside every one of us that it's our job to simply fulfill that potential. We understand it's not what our mom did. It's not what our dad did. It's not what our children are doing. It's not what our spouse is doing. It's not even what your church is doing. It's not what your pastor's doing. One day, you and I, we will stand before the Lord. We will lay it down in a roundabout way. He's going to say, John, I birthed potential inside of you. What amount of that potential did you allow to come to fruition while you lived on this earth? That's the question that we will answer one day. You've been talking about so many important principles when it comes to beyond success. I went and I caught up on all of them. But man, you've touched on everything from working hard to taking responsibility to making good choices to growing your talents. And I have the privilege to continue this series and talk about generosity. Everyone say generosity. 
For time's sake, I'm not going to go through the whole story of the parable of the talents. We kind of know the story. We know that to one, he gave five, and, and then he turned that into ten. And to the second guy, he, he gave two, and he turned that one into two. And then we know at the third one, he gave one, and he got scared, and he buried it, and he came back to the master with what had initially been given to him. And that's where I actually want to pick up on the scripture this morning. Matthew 25, uh, and I want to pick up at verse 24. It says this. I'm going to read out the New Living Translation. It says, Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid to lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops... I didn't cultivate. Why, did you, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. Keep that in the back of your mind. We're going to get back to that. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So today I want to continue your series, and I want to talk about number five, generosity. And I want to focus in on the principle of sowing and reaping. I truly believe that generosity is directly related to this very principle of sowing and reaping. And before we get, I just have three points that I have learned over the course of my life. I want to tell you a little bit about myself, because this isn't a message that I was like, oh, these are three cute little points that are going to resonate real well with the church of today. Like, that's not what I I did. Like, I didn't come up with three points just to make a good sermon. This is truly, this truly has been the story of my life over the last 14 years specifically. I grew up in West Texas. That's where I met Pastor Chad. I met, met him at the age of nine. So we've known each other for approximately 12 years. He's 24. I'm 21. Um, I grew up in a middle-class family. My dad worked hard. He worked for a telecommunications company for 35 years. Uh, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, three kids. Um, I was the youngest. They saved the best for last. That's what I hear. Um, <laughs> In high school, I got in a couple car accidents, and I uh, felt in my heart, I truly did. I guess I was a really, you know, I go back, I was kind of a really good kid about this. I felt really bad for my dad, knowing the financial situations that we were in, and I felt like, you know what, I need to contribute to my car insurance, to my gas, what I'm doing. And like any other smart Christian young man would do, I got a job at Chick-fil-A, because you have Sundays off, and then they understand Wednesday nights. Went, graduated high school in 2002, and that's when I got the opportunity to first truly work under Pastor Chad and start a young adults group. And let me tell you something, I was not qualified. I was not equipped. I was an 18-year-old high school student. All my young adults were like five years older than me. I was taking class with half of them because they should have graduated a year ago, and they were like on year five. You know, like, it was, we were, we were a mess. I wasn't qualified. I, I didn't feel like what I had was what the Lord needed, but Pastor Chad and the Lord saw something in me that I did not see in myself in that moment. I went to college to, cause I really believed I was going to coach math and teach basketball or yeah, is that what it, coach math? No, coach basketball and teach math. Um, it was just like, get the math part out so we can get to basketball. But, um, 
but along that way, God took, completely took my path a different way. And so I was working at the church. I was working for a cell phone company, and then I was going to school. Um, and then in 2006, I married the love of my life at the, at the mature age of 22. And um, a lot of our family were like, what are y'all doing? Like, yeah, I still had a semester of college left. She still had two years of college left. And really, I believe it was at that moment that the Lord began to instill this very message that I'm going to share with you this morning on the principle of sowing and reaping. Um, we did seven years there of young adults. We took a group of 12 to a group of over, you know, close to 200 by the time I left. And in 2009, at the pinnacle of what all the things I'd worked for in ministry, God said, you know what, you're going to move to Dallas and be a part of a church plant. And not only that, you're going to take a 40% pay cut as to what you're making in Midland, Texas to move to Dallas. And you're going to have faith and you're not going to like it, but you're going to do it because it's the calling that God has on your life. And, um, over about three years, we again built a young adults group to over 100 in that three years, and God did some amazing things in that season. Um, but can I tell you that it wasn't always easy, and it always was, like the smile that was on the stage all the time was as fake as fake as they come, because I really didn't know what the Lord was doing in my life, my family as a provider, as, as a husband. Um, and I want to share a little bit with you more about that later but in 2012, when I moved here for this church plant, took a 40% pay cut, I was working full-time, still am working full-time at an investment firm in downtown Dallas. And in 2012, I got the first Wall Street bonus that I've ever experienced in my life. And I'll never forget opening that envelope, and that bonus was the equivalent to my entire first year of marriage salary in one check. Talk about an emotional, an emotional moment, finally seeing uh, over many, many years God's provision right blatantly in front of my face, and then I'm with Ray. It's like, mm, man, I got to get 10% on that. <laughs> in 2014, me and my wife, we took a leap of faith. We started an at-home business, so now not only do I work on Wall Street, we have a small business that we run out of our home, and um, over the last... Um, Four years, God has done some amazing things, and I'm going to tell you about that at the very end. But can I just tell you that this message is not birthed because it sounds good. It's not birthed because it's what, you know, I feel like Pastor Chad wanted me to say. He has no clue what I'm saying. That's a dangerous thing for a pastor. But can I tell you that the three points I'm about to give you are not points that I just came up with. They are points that have changed my life. And if you will take on these three simple things, I guarantee you it will change your life. And so let's talk about three principles of sowing and reaping. Number one, you have what you need to sow today. You have what you need to sow today. The biggest lie that the enemy will tell you is that you don't need to sow today because you can always sow when you have more. The enemy would love to make you believe that it's not a big deal because what you are sowing today in your eyes, is insignificant. And so until it's significant, you don't need to sell. If you look at our story, do you notice that the master wasn't interested in how much they sowed? He was just interested in that they sowed. So one he gave five, the other he gave, uh, what, four, I think, right? No, two. The other he gave two. The last one he gave one. He didn't say, well, did you sow three of the five? Did you sow one of the two? He just said, did you sow? What did you do with what I put in your hand. Can I tell you this? 
If you aren't sowing in the good now with what you have, you definitely will not sow when you have more. What is in your hand right now? Is it finances? Are you sowing? Is it talent? Are you sowing? Is it time? Are you sowing? Is it a skill set? Are you sowing? Are you an encourager? Are you sowing? Are you a caretaker? Are you sowing? All throughout the Bible, the Lord looked at individuals just like you and me and said, what do you have in your hand? I can use it. Like, think about the foolish things the Lord used to perform miracles. For Moses, it was his staff. For David, it was a sling. For, uh, to feed the 5,000, it was a boy's little lunchbox. Let's go right down to Jesus when he healed the man with blind eyes. What did he use? Mud. So you're going to tell me that what you have placed in your hand is worth less than the things I just mentioned. Do you get my point? If he will use a staff and he will use a sling and he will use mud and he will use a little lunch, I guarantee you he will use what you have in your hand now if you choose to put it into good soil. I learned this when I was 17 years old when I was working at Chick-fil-A. My friend, and I, I, I wish I would have kept the pay stub. I don't have it, but I'm a math major. I remember the number. My first tithe tech check to Hearts Ablaze Youth was $13.56. And what I learned at the age of 17 is that if I will be faithful when God says, give the 13 spot five six, I can be faithful when he says to give the 13 comma five six zero spot zero zero. But you will not be faithful to give the great if you can't be faithful to give what you have now. Why don't we sow? Let's go back to the story. We don't sow because we're fearful. We fear that if we sow, we won't reap. Like, let's just be brutally honest. Like, you, you may not like this, this number five, but guess what? Pastor Chad is awesome. He will be back next week. But, like, let's get down to the nitty-gritty Why don't we sow? Look at our story. What did he say in verse 25? I was afraid to lose your money, so I hid it into the earth. Look, here's your money back. He was afraid to sow. Hear me today. The only way that you and I as Christ followers will ever sow and never reap is if we are sowing into the wrong thing. If we are following the voice of God and we are following the heart of God and we are doing everything that we feel in our hearts that he is telling us to do and we sow that seed, I guarantee you, the harvest will come. Understand this, the shovel always comes before the sickle. Some of you young guys are shovel, you know. I have a yard man, you know, like whatever. (laughs) What do I mean? The shovel always comes before the sickle. The only way that we will ever get to use the sickle to pull the harvest is if we choose to put the shovel in the soil and plant a seed. You will never need the sickle if you haven't choose the shovel first. And you're like, John, that's, that's an interesting concept. Well, it's, it's actually the problem with a lot of the reason that society is the way that it is today. The fact is we want to reap before we sow. We want to buy it before we can afford it. We want to have victory without a battle. Heaven forbid I step on toes. We want to sleep with it before we put a ring on it. Like that's how society thinks today. We don't want to put the shovel in the ground. And if we're not willing to put the shovel in the ground and sow, we're never going to get to use the sickle and reap a harvest. 
Stop believing the lie that what you have right now is not enough. Because if you aren't sowing with the things you have now, God can't trust you with the greater things. And even if he did give you the greater things, there's no way in the world you're going to sow the greater things because you didn't have the discipline to sow the small thing. God doesn't decide if the seeds are planted in your life. He just provides the seed. So many times we want to blame God for this and that. No, he is the provider. He places the seed in your hand, but then he gives you free will and says, what are you going to do with the seed? And a lot of us, we look at it and we say it's not enough, but I'm telling you, you have what you need to sow today. Number two, what you sow is related to what you reap. Now, before you tune me out, notice I didn't say you reap what you sow. Because a lot of people sling that around, and I mean, I guess there's some half-truth to that, but I say it very differently. Why? Because I believe this, and I've learned this over the course of my life. You don't reap what you sow. You reap more than you sow. Many times, we look at the side of the seed in relation to the size of the harvest that's produced, and it doesn't make sense. Have you ever really thought about that? So many times, we look at what we have. I can tell you in my life, there's times especially in our first year of marriage, that I looked at what I was sowing. And then a year or so later, I looked at the harvest that I was reaping. And it wasn't that I planted 10 seeds and got 10 things back. It was the power of God and his multiplication where I planted 10 and then the blessing came far greater than I could ever hope or imagine. I think that's probably in the Bible. So many times we look at what we have and it looks like a small seed. I'm with you. I mean, I got an eight-week-old and I got a five and a seven-year-old as parents. We just get our tails beat day after day after day. And it's like, this is the most beautiful beatdown I've ever experienced in life, but it's still a beatdown. And, and you're taking Johnny to practice and Susie to gymnastics and then, you know, these schools that you're supposed to send your kids to and, like, they're supposed to learn. Then they come back with, like, all this work and you got to do that too. And then, it, like, next week it's homecoming, so they have to dress different for five straight days. It's like, what do you expect from us? <laughs> And then all you have left is like, God, this is my seed. And it's like messed up and it's worthless because I'm just trying to hang on. But if you will plant the seed, I promise the harvest will be much greater. With our finances, we look at our bills and our mortgage and our car payments and our student loans. And Johnny's got to go to college and Susie needs a prom dress and all this. And if your daughter's Susie, I'm sorry, she's a pain in this sermon, but she just is. But You say, all I have left is such a small seed. As the family of LifeGate, you're like, John, I can't commit more to this group. I can't commit more to that group. Like, my time is so spread thin, but can you commit to inviting someone every week on a Sunday? Oh, but that's a small seed. Yeah, what if it changes their life forever? Do you get what I'm saying? You don't reap what you sow. You reap more than you sow. Say, John, how did you learn that? Well, I go back to when we were first newlyweds. 22 years old, working part-time at the church, working part-time selling cell phones, um, going to a full semester of college. And again, I am a math major. You should see the spreadsheet of my life. Like it would annoy so many of you. Some of you might find it really interesting, but I can honest to God tell you that if I added up all the bills and I added up the income, the bills were always greater than the income, but we never went without. We were never laid on a payment. We always had food on the table. We always had what we needed. Why? Because although the seed was small, the harvest is always greater. 
our 10% in our first year of marriage would have been like going to Chili's one time. And I laugh, but this is the story of my life in full transparency as family. But I told you, like, that preaches really well. But I got to be honest about this principle, that it works both ways. That the, the law, the principle of reaping and sowing, it works for the good, but it also works for the bad. And this isn't going to preach as well, and I'm not going to get shouted down, and you're not going to be clapping, but you've got to keep this in mind. If you sow bad seed, you will reap more bad harvest. Think about it. If you sow into debt, it doesn't just affect one area of your finances. It affects your entire area of your finances. If you sow into fear, you will reap a harvest of more fear. If you sow into bitterness, you will reap a harvest of more bitterness. You say, well, John, prove that. Okay, Job 4, 8 says people, sorry, guys, I don't have this. I got this right before I walked in because I knew some people might not like this so much. So you, you always just put the Bible behind it and then they can't get mad at you. But um, <laughs> it says in Job 4, 8, people who, who plant trouble harvest it. In Proverbs 22, 8, it says, whoever sows sin reaps weeds. In Hosea 10, 13, it says, you planted wickedness and now you reaped evil. You see, it works both ways, but our hope and our encouragement is that when we choose to sow into the right things, when we sow into our family, when we sow into our marriage, when we sow into our church, when we sow into our neighbors, when we sow into anything that is bringing up the kingdom of God, the harvest will always be greater than the seed that is sown. If what you want, sorry, if what you have is not what you need, it's not your harvest, it's your seed. If you don't like the crop you're reaping, where do you look? Do not look at the one who provided the seed. Look at the one who who is planting the seed day after day after day. Just like in the parable, the master gave everyone a seed, but it was up to them how they would plant. The reason we are getting the harvest we desire or don't desire is dependent on where we are planting. You reap what you sow. Let me take it a little step further. You reap what you sow, but later than you, uh, than, but, but later than you sow. You reap more than you sow and later than you sow. Hear me today. When you plant a seed, don't put a time frame on the season. You're like, but God, I gave last Sunday. Where's my million? <laughs> but God, I spent an hour with my kid. Why doesn't he love me? Because you weren't there for the year before that. Don't put a time frame on the season. What I've learned over my life is you sow financially into good soil. You sow time and effort and compassion into your family. You sow daily into your marriage. And although you can't see it immediately, sooner or later, the harvest will come. Galatians 6, 7 says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, he will also reap. So you have what you need to sow. What you sow is related to what you reap. And then lastly, this is my favorite point. Number three, after you reap, you get more than you sow. I don't know who Ray is, but that's a big amen moment, Ray. Because you got to live this. This is probably the greatest part of the principle of sowing and reaping, especially when it comes to generosity. That when you learn the principle of sowing and reaping, when God gives you more, that's when you get to be more generous. 
Matthew 25, 28, back to our scripture. I'm just going to go straight actually to 29. It says, to those of you, uh, to those who use well what they are given, what? Even more will be given and they will have an abundance. Guess what? When you sow with what you have now, and you understand the principle of sowing and reaping, the word shows us that those who use what they have well, guess what? They will be given more, and they will live a life of abundance. I opened this morning briefly sharing my story with you, and I stopped at 2014 talking about how we started a business. And, um, you know, I've never been fully, I I don't like being too transparent about this aspect of my life, but I just feel like it's very important so that you get this message in this time in this season. In 2014, me and my wife started a small business out of our home. Over the last four years, we've been the top 10 producers globally in that company. In the the first two years of that business, and she's going to kill me if she ever listens to this podcast, we've made multiple millions of dollars in the last four years in our small business. And I don't say that to brag. I don't say that to put that in front of you. I I promise you like that is the most, this is the most awkward moment I've probably ever had from a stage and I'm being fully transparent with you. But I'm here to tell you that you're looking at the same kid who gave $13.56 when he was 17 years old. You're looking at the same 18 year old that took a young adults group that had no clue what he was doing, that was unqualified, that was unequipped, that thought his seed was so unimportant and so insignificant the world couldn't change. You're looking at the same kid that took a 40% pay cut, just simply being faithful and saying, God, if you're calling me to do soil, I'll be the seed that's planted in that new soil. You're looking at the same kid that still looks today and has no clue how any of this has happened. All I know is that I understood the principle of sowing and reaping that if I was faithful with what I had today, he was going to give me more. If I was faithful with what he placed in my hand at this moment, sooner or later, he was going to bless me with more. That might be finances. That might be joy. That might be hope. That may bring, that may just mean bringing your family together for the first time. Cause that's, I don't know what your harvest is, but I promise you, if you will learn the principle of sowing and reaping, your life will be forever changed. But let me speak to the skeptic because some of you are going to be like, well, you just started a small business at the right time. You just hit the market. Good. Well, how did it happen, John? I just told you I don't know how it happened. (laughs) It sounds a lot like Mark chapter number 4, verse 26 through 27. I'm going to go to 27. I'm going to read all of it, actually. It says, and he was saying, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil and goes to bed at night and gets up uh, by day, and the seed sprouts up and grows. How he himself does not No, I don't know how it happened. I don't know why God picked me. I don't know why God is choosing to pick you. I don't know why God is choosing to pick LifeGate. I don't know why God is looking at your family and saying, you are the family that's going to change your world and your community and your school. I don't know why God is picking us, but he wants to pick us, but he's got to know that we've got to be faithful with what we have now so that he can bless us with even more. You say, how did it happen, John? I don't know. All I know is that I stayed faithful from the time I was 17 to give what I had all the way up to the time that I'm 35. That's all I know. And I had to believe that God would do the rest. 
Am I more talented? No. Am I more qualified? No. Am I more skilled? No. Do I have more knowledge? No. There are a lot of people in this world who are way smarter than I am, but I believe I understand the principle of sowing and reaping way better than they ever will. So uh, number one, although you don't have much, you have something to sow. Number two, when you sow, the harvest will always be greater than the seed that was sown. And number three, when you get to reap the harvest, that's when generosity can go to a whole different area of your life. I'm going to close really quick with an illustration. Um, I brought some tools. I picked the ones that looked half decent and that y'all wouldn't be insulted to touch. But um, I'm going to give you the hammer. And if I don't know the names of these, just be quiet, okay? (laughs) I'll make you tell me. This is a wrench, right? You take the wrench, you take the screwdriver, and you're cool. You get the tape measure. You want to know the honest problem with a lot of us today? I'm sorry, I left this side out. Second service gets aside. The honest problem with us today is that what if I was the Lord and I said, you know what? Everything you need to be successful, I placed in your hand. That's it. That is all you need. But the problem with us today, what's your name? Matthew. The problem with us today, Matthew, is we look over here at this sharp guy with the tape measure. And Matthew's like, but, but God, the, the, the hammer's cool, but, but what's your name? But, but Jeremy got the tape measure. But God, that, that's not fair that, that Jeremy got the tape measure and you gave me a hammer. I, I want the tape measure. And what's your name? Bo. And then Jeremy looks at Bo and says, but the tape measure's cool. Like, I can measure things, but I, 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 I can't screw anything in because Bo has the screwdriver. And we spend our whole life complaining about the thing that's in our hand that the Lord said, hey, I know I created you a little smarter than this. I just told you that what you need is in your hand. That's all you need. But we waste our entire life in saying, well, they have more money than me. Well, their kids are in better shape than me. Well, they have a better job than me. Well, they can give more than me. Well, they can do this and they can do that. And we waste our whole life. And God is saying, I wish you would just use what I have placed in your hand today. We scroll social media and we look at everyone's highlight reel and we say, oh, but you... You gave them the vacation, and you gave them this, and you gave them that. And we kind of laugh about it, but the reality is it eats us away. And God is saying, what is in your stinking hand to put to work for the kingdom of God? You four come up here real quick. And this is where, you you know, Pastor Chad, I've learned you always have to have a right hook. Y'all stand up here real quick in the front and look out. You want to know the coolest thing? about using your talent is that for the work of the kingdom of God to go on. It's like, it's cool. Homeboy has the hammer, but the guy with the hammer needs the guy with the tape measure and the guy with the tape measure, he can measure all he wants, but there's no work that's going to be done unless we got a wrench and a screwdriver. The kingdom of God is an ecosystem of normal people like you and me coming together and saying, Hey, I got the finances. And then a single mom comes and says, I ain't got the finances, but I've got the time. I can plan the seed. And then the young youth person says, you know what? I can come up here and I can do something for the kingdom of God. Do you get where I'm coming from? I don't care what your seed is. I don't care how big or how small it is, but if you will be faithful in using your seed, what happens? The kingdom of God moves forward in a powerful, powerful way, but you have to plant your seed. Thanks guys. You can just set those down.
today, I believe we need to make a commitment to plant a seed. Now. Not when you have it. Not when you think it's enough. But today is the day you say, I'm going to be faithful in planting what I have got in my hand right now. This moment. This time. In this season.